brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, achy joints, weight gain. Maybe you're thinking they're all just part of getting older, or that's what your doctor tells you. But Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all be connected. Hormonal changes that happen during perimenopause and menopause are at the root of dozens of symptoms women experience, not just hot flashes. Midi specializes in compassionate care for women in menopause. Their solutions are safe, effective, and FDA approved. Plus, they're covered by insurance. A convenient telehealth visit with a MIDI clinician can be your first step to getting personalized care. They'll tailor a treatment plan for your symptoms and health history so you can get back to feeling great. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. When your body changes, your care should too. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. The following presentation is part of the Beyond the Blast Doors Network. You're listening to Around the Galaxy. This is Pete Fletcher. On this episode of Around the Galaxy, we're talking to Brandon Way Nerdy, the host of Talking Bay 94. Join us as we talk about some of his favorite interviews, the ending of the Skywalker saga, and talk a little bit about his favorite collectibles. So strap yourselves in, relax, and enjoy this journey around the galaxy. Welcome to episode number 82 of Around the Galaxy, the Star Wars fan talk show. I am your host, Pete Fletzer, and we are a part of the Beyond the Blast Doors Network. If this is your first visit with us, thank you so much for checking us out. I really hope you enjoy the show, and if you do, please like, subscribe, share, rate, and review it. Make sure to tell somebody about it if you're having fun, and if you're a return visitor, well, thank you for coming back. Really do appreciate it. Those of you who do follow us, you know that the best place to keep up with us is on Twitter at ATGCast. We're always getting involved in the Star Wars conversation, trying to stay out of trouble, having some fun, and uh, also letting you know about new shows when they drop. Like this week, we are excited to bring you Brandon Waynerdy. Brandon is the host of a show called Talking Bay 94, and his show week to week is bringing you the people who made Star Wars. He's brought us great interviews with people like Dennis Murin and Sam Witwer and many other of the people who've been directly involved in the creation of some of our favorite Star Wars. And we had a great time talking about some of his favorite interviews and some of his favorite collectibles. And we even talked about those Star Wars movies a little bit together. So it was a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to bringing that to you. But before we do, I just want to do a little bit of business. I want to remind you that we are a part of the Beyond the Blast Doors Network, which means that we share a special space on the internet with a whole bunch of other great shows. If you go to beyondtheblastdoors.com, you can find the latest Star Wars news, but you can also find other shows like Holo Chronicles, which drops every Monday talking about all things Star Wars collectibles. You get us on Tuesdays. Wednesdays, you get postcards from the Galaxy's Edge from Shannon Moran taking a unique look at unique fan perspectives. On Thursdays, you get the only live Star Wars news show on the internet on YouTube, Beyond the Blast stores live with myself if you like listening to me and David Amalotti if you 
don't want to listen to me. The two of us host that show. We talk about all the news and happenings and everything going on in the Star Wars universe. And then on Saturdays, you get the Bombad cast. Scotty and Jerry bring you a very unique, fun, not afraid to fanboy out perspective on all things Star Wars. If you really like what you hear and you want to contribute to our Patreon page, we would definitely appreciate that. We're bringing you all kinds of exclusive content over the next several months, so go to patreon.com slash Doors for as little as $5 a month. You are not only supporting this show, but you're supporting all the shows on the Beyond the Doors network. So, without further ado, I'm very excited to bring you this week's interview with Brandon Wainerdy of Talking Bay 94. Brandon, thank you so much for joining me today. How are you doing? I'm doing good. Thanks for the invite. Uh, awesome. So I people probably know you as the host of Talking Bay 94, but uh, maybe give us a little bit about who you are and, and tell us about the podcast. Sure. Um, well, I'm Brandon. Um, I grew up during all the prequels and the special editions especially. And so it's been really a big part of my fandom um, watching the documentaries and reading the behind the scenes books. And so Talking Bay 94 is kind of an extension of that where really all I do is just one-on-one interviews uh, with the people that made Star Wars. So the cast, crew, and, you know, creators, whether they're authors or people that put together the source books or, you know, editors and, and kind of put it all together into a, maybe an oral history of Star Wars at some point. So that's that's the hope. <laughs> that's great. And is it is it specifically the films? Or uh, you have also had uh, video games and TV shows mm-hmm. as well, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's everything that's ever been an official Star Wars thing is is the requirement to, to make it onto the show, so. <laughs> that's excellent, yeah. I I, I also have to say, I think it's one of the, the most cleverly named uh, podcasts. <laughs> Thank you. you know, when I, when I started my podcast, mine is named after one of the news sections that I used to run at Star Wars Galaxy Magazine. So mm-hmm. not terribly creative, but talking to me 94, that's right up there with, I think, I think my favorite, and I've never even listened to the show. I hate to say that uh-huh. after I'm going to say the name of the show, but I think my favorite name for a show is uh, Grand Muff Talking. I think that, <laughs> yeah, that one's great. Yeah. That's <laughs> such a great name. Um, yeah. But yeah, so talking to me. And so when did you start it? And, uh, and give me a little bit of, of what got you you going into 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 building this really cool podcast? Yeah, um, it was kind of a, an interesting journey for me making my fandom more part of my life, and I, it was really prompted. I think it was Last Jedi Fever, so it was <laughs> right before Last Jedi came out, and I was just kind of trolling around on iTunes. I was like, "What are there any Star Wars podcasts out there?" And I I stumbled upon Blast Points, who have been doing yeah. it forever. Yep. And um, <laughs> over that Christmas break, I pretty much listened to like fifty Blast Points episodes. I think just like <laughs> within a month, and I texted uh, my producer now, and I was like, "Hey, we should do a Star Wars podcast." And it kind of uh, escalated from there. So that was in December. We got a logo in January. And then I recorded episodes until May. And then I think we tried to time it close to the solo premiere. And we just have been going from there. I think that timeline works out, but uh, we've been just going from there. So how have you, I have to, I must admit, I see your, I feel like the Joker in the Michael Keaton Batman when I, when you get those guests and my, my first thought is, how does he get these wonderful guests? So do you have a, um, a, a movie background or how are you, how do, how do you make, uh, you don't need to tell the secrets of how you make right. connections because they're great yeah. guests, but do you have, you know, is that part of your, 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 your everyday life or how's that connected? Yeah. So, well, initially started, I I was really lucky growing up. I grew up in Plano, Texas, and that really doesn't mean anything to anyone, but that's where for a long time, official picks was headquartered and Mm -hmm. official picks for a long time was the officially licensed star Wars autographs and photographs. And so they would also have a huge convention 
twice a year, literally five miles from my house. And so, so growing up, knowing who these actors were, whether they were the smallest, you know, bounty hunter or stormtrooper all the way up to Carrie Fisher and Mark Hamill and everyone coming through, I was really able to not only foster a love of like those behind the scenes people, but also a couple early on connections with at least knowing who their managers were, knowing who, who, who was actually like behind the scenes of the behind the scenes people. Um, and so then I've gotten lucky, obviously having a few people early on say yes, just with blind emails really. Um, and then over the years, it's been really nice where guests have recommended their friends or their people that they've known through their conventions to come on the show. And, uh, it's just kind of grown from there. But yeah, um, I was working in film up until very recently. I was, I was the VP of marketing for Fangoria, the horror magazine. Yeah. yeah. And that was helpful as well. I got a couple, um, Paul Dini was, was one of my guests because of that. And, but really it's been just kind of a, a connection slowly, but surely throughout, you know, everyone that's ever worked on a star Wars movie. So. Yeah. So is it your Fangoria experience that made you feel like I, I could do a podcast or did you just, do you have experience with that kind of thing? Or is it just like, like many of the, 12,461 Star Wars podcasts out there to just say, hey, uh, much like myself, I was like, hey, I've, right. I've written, I did fan interviews for print back right. in the 90s when print mattered. I could do this. What what made you sort of decide this is this is the way I'm going to do this process? Yeah, I mean, I, I've been lucky where my, my career is digital marketing. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's just what I do. I do social and I do digital. And now it really talking Bay turned into a career for me where we were doing talking Bay for probably a year, um, as an extension of a website that I built with Jason, my producer, um, that was covering pop culture in Dallas. And then that website got the attention of Fangoria and then Fangoria kind of acquired <laughs> the two of us to come on board. Uh, and then that's, you know, I built, I helped build the, the podcast network for Fangoria and we had like 20 shows um, before it all <laughs> blew up. Uh, and uh, but so it's been kind of an interesting turning around of turning my hobby into a career. And, and even what I'm doing right now is helping build podcasts for, for agencies here in Dallas. So, um, so yeah, it's been kind of just a whirlwind um, switch for, for me at least. That's, that's great. That's so, so what, so you worked at Fangoria, you've obviously been a Star Wars fan. You grew up, you said with the prequels, tell me about some of your earlier memories, your earliest memories of Star Wars and, and the role it played in your life growing up. Yeah, definitely. I, I was um, in big trouble very early on with Star Wars, if only because the special editions came out in 1997 and I'll just date myself. I was yeah. five years old. Mm-hmm. And so my dad took me to see Star Wars. Uh, and so seeing the three on the big screen is here. like that. Like we sure. saw one, once a month was a new star Wars movie, which, you know, <laughs> was incredible. Right. Uh, and then it, at the same time, of course, power of the force two was coming out. And so the toys were everywhere and it just felt like star Wars was a huge deal. And, and that really then extended of course to the prequels and me growing, you know, not only being able to like learn how to read, but it, like I, I told someone earlier, I learned how to use the internet because of Star Wars, like to download the Phantom Menace trailer, right? Yeah. Like I had to like learn how to use the internet. Um, and then that kind of grew and grew and grew and um, some incredible communities online, like Rebel Scum, the forums there, hyperspace, being a member there, <laughs> convincing my parents to let me like do all these things as like a 12 year old to figure out what was going to happen in what Revenge of the Sith. So, yep. um, so really has been kind of a journey for me where I've grown with Star Wars um, and it's it's been just kind of a nice <laughs> nice thing that's always been with me so yeah it's uh, yeah so you you grew up at the time that I was 
doing the uh, the Star Wars Galaxy stuff, and it was a really right. and in fact that's that's how I got into digital marketing as well. I had I had mm-hmm. one of, you probably visited the site. I had one of the first ones was called Echo Base, and it was way uh-huh. back in the day. Yeah. And that's but you're right. It's um um the you can say probably that the Star Wars prequels taught a lot of people or encouraged a lot of people to get into the into this whole internet thing that was going on. Because I remember right. downloading the trailer, taking like overnight downloads. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> to yeah. watch it. So so you, you got to see the originals um it well, the special edition versions sure. of the originals in the theaters before the prequels. So how you were prime age for yeah. for the prequels. How did you how did you respond to the prequels as a kid? Oh I I loved them. I loved the prequels and I still, I mean, obviously love them so much. And I think that's what we're seeing now, obviously with whether it was the anniversary panel at celebration, but I think now people my age are 30 years old and Mm -hmm. have purchasing power and love the prequels. And I think it's so formative for so many of us. And like for me, you know, Jar Jar was never an issue. It was Jar Jar Pinks was my October, 1999 Halloween costume. You know what I mean? (laughs) Like, uh, and it, it really was not only, an important movie for me, but I think the things that surrounded it, and we can make fun of it now, like how over merchandised it was, but really it was no matter what restaurant I went to when I was seven years old or what grocery store or what, whatever, it was a star Wars thing. And I think that's something the sequels had a little bit, but I think the prequels really just did the star Wars merchandising even more so than the original trilogy. It's, so. it's funny you say that we've been talking about that being, being uh, some of the folks on, on my network, in fact, with uh, interview last week with Tori Fox, we talked a little bit about that. They that was the pinnacle of of Star Wars merchandising, and I think maybe even Phantom Menace more so than any of the other films. Right. At least that's the ones that that I remember. I mean, I, I I remember going to Toys R Us when all the action figures hit, and just uh, right. and going through there. So so did you uh, did you become a collector then? Are you still a collector? Are you? Yeah, uh, yeah. It, so, it, yeah, it, I mean, obviously, as a kid, what you're collecting are the things that you right. can get, right? You get anything that you can touch that says Star Wars on it. I thought right. it was going to be worth. So like, I was reading those insider columns or Steve Sansu was being like, well, like, here's like what this would be worth. Or like, you could check it. So all these things, I was like, oh, like we cannot take this out of the box. Like, as so I was like the worst 10 right. year old of all time, <laughs> or I was telling my little brother, it was like Christmas. I was like, do not open this. Like this Obi-Wan Kenobi target exclusive will be worth so much. And I sent him, actually, I found it. And it was, it's from Revenge of the Sith. And it's an Obi-Wan reflective lava, whatever target exclusive. And it's worth like $12 now. And I was right. like, Hey, like <laughs> it's still in bond. It's been condition. You're welcome. Um, but so yeah, as a kid, it was the action figures. It was happy meal toys. It was pieces of paper. My parents just texted me. They're like, Hey, can we finally throw these away? And it was like the attack of the clones, uh, cereal boxes, you know, like anything I could find, um, was collected and that's continued. Now I've gotten a little bit better and a little more refined, refined is a, is a general term. My fiance would not think that it's a, it is uh, me being uh, picky, but um, mostly now it, it revolves around the books. Um, I collect some black series and then anything Macquarie, I kind of just collect or anything concept and behind the scenes. So, um, yeah, we're, it's it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> it's not a problem. <laughs> it's not a problem. I'm fine. I'm fine. Yeah, it's funny. I have. Yeah. Uh, uh, you, you were talking about the power of the force uh, stuff, and, and that was really kind of that resurgence. You had the He Man Luke and all that stuff, right? And, and like you, I still I have a bin in the basement of unopened. Uh, power of the force action figures that right. I, I, about, I would say about probably about 10 years ago, I just, I was going to try to sell them and I, mm-hmm. I 
couldn't give them away, which I didn't. I kept them, but yeah. it's it was funny because you know it's sort of like in a way it's sort of like baseball cards in that like everybody right. realized that if you had that baseball card, you're never going to let that go again. I'm never going to be that guy who let right. that card go, and and so so the collecting uh, becomes kind of a challenge. So you uh, you're, you're in the Black Series here, yeah, yeah. So it's interesting from a collector standpoint too because there is so much it's almost impossible to keep up with. When I was Right. Working with Steve, and when you you were talking about what we what we we were doing in Insider and Star Wars Galaxy, like yeah, there there was a finite amount of Star Wars things. Right now, right. it's everywhere. You go to you go right. to the drugstore, it's there. You go to the supermarket, you're going to find Star Wars something. So it's just about everywhere. So what's what's your favorite piece in your collection? That's that is tough. I was not prepared for this. I'm looking around. <laughs> this is a small. That's that's very small. Um, because one of the things I didn't bring it up. So the thing that I've been really focusing on recently is expanding my cast and crew merchandise. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, or like industrial light and magic skywalker ranch, that kind of thing. Um, or autographs. And again, like we were talking earlier with official picks, I'm like very picky. I'm like, if I could have gotten this when I was 12 years old, that's what I will buy. I won't buy anything else. <laughs> um, so I have a couple things that I really love especially autograph wise which are a little more you know like i have an irvin kirshner autograph i have a lee bracket autograph that i i really like um in one of her books and so things like that i have a couple of mccory signed things that mean a lot to me that i've been able to just um pick up over the years and really now i'm in a position as of almost 30 where i can i can be a little more um spendy and yeah. i think the things that i i got when i wasn't as you know financially able to do that in college or in high school, whatever it is. Like I still have my making of uh, star Wars book by JW Rinsler, which, you know, you can get anywhere for $30 now, but I remember spending $60 on Amazon as a freshman in college to buy it. And it was just like, okay, like I won't eat for two weeks. Like, here we go. <laughs> like it's fine. So things like that, I think still mean so much to me, you know, looking yeah. back at everything. Uh, that's great. Yeah, it, it is. It is. I think there's two types of collecting. There's the collecting for uh, of true sort of monetary value and rare mm-hmm. rarity and that sort of thing. And then there's the things that you have that that are worth more to you than they'll be to anybody else. And, and right. things like like that book. And you know, I find now with uh, you know an eight year old son who is really starting to. I'd love to say he's a collector. He's not. He he just likes getting stuff. But right. you know the you know to be able to 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 see his response and, and, and give him, you know, I have a the handful of loose figures from, you know, the seventies and eighties that you know, right. he'll play with. And, but those mean more to me. They, I, I couldn't sell them for lunch money, but they mean more to me because there's that connection and there's something about star exactly. Wars that does that. And, and, and I imagine that it's that star Wars sentimentality <clears throat> that, has led you into uh, into the the direction you've gone with talking Bay ninety four, and so tell me about some of your your favorite experiences and some of your favorite conversations. I know it's it's always dangerous if anybody asks me of right. your, your eighty one episodes who's your favorite. I I'm not going right. to answer it. <laughs> but what are some of your your more memorable experiences or maybe some oh wow moments that you recall? Yeah, uh, there are a few that stick out to me, especially when I'm able to interact with someone in person. I think that always adds a secondary element to it where I'm able to, you know, have that shared connection with them. 
um, face to face. And the first time that really ever happened was with Timothy, Timothy Zahn at San Diego Comic-Con, which was huge for me, like as a kid growing up, like reading his books. And then he never came to Dallas for my entire life. He came to Dallas once when I was in college. And so I never was able to meet him. I had my, you know, whole stack of books. And then um, I worked with Delray to get an interview with him at the Delray booth at San Diego Comic-Con, like mm-hmm. behind the curtains. Um, and that was probably, we were probably six months into the podcast at that point. So it still felt so new and so crazy that this was happening. And then all of a sudden I was like, <laughs> it was just me and Timothy Zahn and Mrs. Zahn <laughs> and, and my producer, like, you know, talking for an hour. Um, and I was able to like really interact with someone that meant so much to me growing up. Um, in such kind of a human way. And, and that still is one of my favorite episodes. Um, I, there's one that really sticks out to me that I always recommend to people, especially if they don't like Star Wars, with Greg Proops, who's a comedian. He was yeah. on Whose Lines It Anyway, but he was also one of the pod race announcers. Mm-hmm. And so I, I saw he was coming to Dallas to a comedy house, you know, to do a set. And I just reached out to him blindly. I was like, hey, like, if you wanted to talk about Star Wars, like, <laughs> I can do that with you. Yeah. And, um, and he was like, sure, like no one ever asked me to do that. That's fine. And so we went to the show and it was great. And then he came out after the show and he was like, are you Brandon? And he was like, come on back. And we went to the green room and it was me and him and my producer. And then the, the comedians that had opened for him and they were all just kind of, we were sitting around in a semicircle and he was just kind of chain smoking. And then, <laughs> did like a comedy set for like the five of us, you know, about his experience on Phantom Menace. And it was incredible. Like it's all just so much fun to like think about and, and, uh, and uh, just a really good time. Oh, that's great. So do you find that you, uh, do you find you get nervous before these conversations because you grew up with star Wars or, or has it, um, has it become kind of like uh, almost a job and, and maybe because of your Fangoria experience or your, your yeah. other experience, um, do you, how do you approach each, each interview? And uh, you know, I, I, I'll admit there's, there's ones that I'm often not, it, it, you just, you just really never know where the interview is going to go. Right. Especially right. when you're talking, you know, and I think about some of the more well-known people that I've spoken to, you just hope that you're able to pull, something from them and sometimes right. those turn into just the most amazing experiences have you how, how about yourself how how much what goes into those kind of conversations yeah i i was lucky where one of my first jobs was doing the marketing for texas a&m university um and just like with star wars i grew up loving a&m athletics and loving a&m football and basketball and so then with when I was in the position to then be interfacing with these people that I grew up with, right? Because a lot of my work was sideline, you know, whether it was emceeing or like helping with um, with different like activations or when famous person would show up. Um, we were told to really, it was explained to us as, as a duck in water, right? Like at, at yep. the surface, it seems very calm. And on the bottom, that's where the feet are like really going for it and keeping the, the ship steady. Um, and that's kind of how I've always approached it, which is let me treat this person, not as someone that maybe I grew up watching the documentary and they were featured in it, or like I read their insider interview or their making of book. Um, but let me really just kind of be a person with them. And, um, and that's really kind of helped me. Of course, I always get nervous, especially when it's someone like, I think Dennis Murin was the most nervous I've ever been, um, or Phil Tippett. And then Dennis Murin, I was not expecting a video with Dennis Murin. And all of a sudden his like face pops up on the screen and I was like, okay, like, uh, this is going to be a fun 30 minutes. That's fine. Um, so it just depends, but I think I've gotten to a point now where, I'm able to channel that, that fandom and that energy and that love that I have, but then, you know, turn it into something productive and something that's not as, as fanboy. And I think they, they end up appreciating it a lot. So. 
I, th- I 100% and as I've listened to your show many times and uh, it, it definitely comes through that way and I think that that's, that's important I think that that's also something that I'm sure the guests and, and I know from seniors they kind of appreciate that you're not it, your, your show is never remember that time when you did that right. thing it's, it's very uh, uh, it, it's interesting that way but so okay so you're a Star Wars fan let's right. talk about how you feel about some of the content and, and okay. I'm, I'm not i'm not gonna ask you to no, I'm ready. I'm, no, no, please please i'm ready <laughs> name one thing you like about no i'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> but so what what's exciting you in the star wars universe now because you you are as you said you you interview for video games and writers and movies and, and film but what do right. you like what's what's the content that you you get the most excited about and what's some stuff you're enjoying now yeah um i mean i think everyone says Mandalorian now, but I think Mandalorian is such a great blend of what everyone loves about star Wars by mixing new and old together. And I'm hoping with season two, it's even more, I think the first season was so great, but it was also so nostalgia focused with the original trilogy. And I would love to kind of see that carry through. And I think with Filoni, I think it's going to be super easy to do that. Maybe not with the sequel trilogy interfacing with it as much, but I think with the animated shows even more, um, because that's, I think the moments that stand out to me are like when you see um, all the Mandalorians and you see, all these you know um aspects of it kind of coming into play um so that that is really exciting to me and then i think we are we are really in this kind of renaissance of um more and more content being geared towards me which is which are these behind the scenes and the documentaries and the the ways that i think what stands out to me is how they treated the 40th anniversary of empire uh, with the official channels and i was very um grateful that they did it that way um, and we're able to kind of go back and talk to all these people, um, but still have it be new and exciting. Um, and then even something like the Mandalorian gallery show, yeah. uh, was just such a great, like, I was just so excited every Friday to like wake up and like watch that almost more so than the actual, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. so, so things like that I think are always exciting. And then, I, um, I'm, I'm very excited now that we're past the sequel trilogy to, to hear these new stories. And I think, you know, whether it's High Republic or, you know, things that aren't kind of within that, like, episode three to episode five, <laughs> like, range, I think are, are so exciting to, for me to kind of finally dive back into. Yeah, it's, um, I, I think your, your points on The Mandalorian are, are, are really, really smart because it is, it's this really kind of unique kind of pull into um, old stuff that we, you know, there's enough Easter eggs so that people who grew up with it are, are, are excited and are like, Ooh, I remember that, but right. it doesn't necessarily hit you over the head with it. And, and I think that that's, that's interesting too. As we move into sort of new star Wars areas, a uh, question I've asked people uh, in the past, and I think it's, it's even more relevant as we move forward as we get away from the Skywalkers, which I believe, you know, if you know, we're, we're heading in that direction, where would you, um, what, what makes something a Star Wars film to you or a Star Wars story? What, what's that one element that needs to be there? That's a great question. I don't know if, if Star Wars is one element. I think, I think what makes Star Wars so special is that it's kind of a combination of all these different things that we innately know and love, right? And I think that goes all the way back to the Joseph Campbell stuff where it's these stories that have been told and told and told and told. And so when you see it in this new setting, it already feels familiar to you, even though like it's these crazy aliens and robots and ships flying around. And I think Star Wars is really important to not only have that Campbell aspect in the back of the mind, but I think think Mandalorian Gallery said it really well where they're not um, trying to 
get inspired by the sequel trilogy or the prequel trilogy or the original trilogy. They're trying to be inspired by the things that inspired George Lucas, right? Mm-hmm. So the samurai films, the serials, all those things. And I think that more than anything is needed in a Star Wars for it to feel, you know, kind of like part of this universe. But I, I will say, like, for instance, I don't know if you read uh, Chaos Rising, the new Thrawn book, but that is so um, alien to, like, what we're used to in terms of like, again, the Skywalker saga or whatever it is, cause it's mm-hmm. kind of removed from everything. There's, you know, there's a couple little connections of course, to the actual storyline that we're used to, but how that's set up and, and where that's going, I think is so interesting and so fresh that it makes it almost feel, feel like it's almost more star Wars than something else. So, yeah. Yeah. And it's interesting because back in, Back in back in the old days, in the nineties, <laughs> when there was the EU books, I think one mm-hmm. of the challenges for the EU books, and, and I love always getting this kind of perspective because the uh, some of the EU books fell into like sort of pure science fiction, right. and that I couldn't get into because you know it's it's funny it's the old uh, people I've known for years like oh you like Star Wars my son loves Star Trek and I'm like right that's awesome I, I it's not that I dislike Star <laughs> Trek it's just it's very different but you're right there's right. sort of that. It's the bigger stories, the more sort of um, the type of storytelling that um, that goes way back further than than science fiction. It goes back to sort of the, the base elements of of storytelling, the samurai and whatnot. And and mm-hmm. I I feel really good about the Star Wars saga being in the in the hands of Dave Filoni because I think he. Mm-hmm he gets it and he understands that sort of mindset. I've said it before and you were talking about the gallery show and I loved watching the gallery show as well. And I always felt like Filoni was kind of the nerd at the table, right? He was, you know, mm-hmm. he, you're there with Taika Waititi and you're there with uh, John Favreau and, and, <laughs> and Bryce Dallas Howard. And, and he's like talking about the, uh, well, actually that was, uh, that lightsaber size was a little bit, you know, he's, he's like, he's right. the, I'm actually guy, but it's so great. And it's what's making these stories work so well well right so so what do you want to see in mandalorian season two where do you what 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 are you looking forward to man i I think there's a lot of obviously there are rumors and the leaks and all those things and so there's part of my mind that that is kind of anticipating a certain type of story but i think where mandalorian was so successful was like we did not know about baby yoda right so that was just so surprising and so exciting i think there were some rumors about like there was kind of a lone wolf and cup kind of aspect to it but we had no really idea what was going to happen um, and I'm, I'm hoping and what I'm excited for are those surprises, right? And I think every week tuning in and I would always wake up at like 5 a.m. to watch it before yeah. work so it wouldn't get spoiled for me on Star Wars Twitter. But I think <laughs> I think that excitement and that like never knowing what really is going to happen in the next week because they kept their cards pretty close to the chest throughout the, throughout the season. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's what I'm excited for are not the things that maybe that we know, which I will be very excited if some of those things come to fruition, yeah. but I am more excited for these kind of surprises or things that I, I can't believe Filoni pulled out or, you know, or whatever it is. And I think that's going to go a really long way to making the season feel like its own thing. Yeah. Yes. 100%. And I think, you know, one of the other comments that I saw, I think on Twitter somewhere was that, you know, when was, has Dave Filoni ever created a show that was what the title was, right? I mean, uh, right. Rebels was a Jedi story. Right. Mandalorian, we all thought it was going to be this sort of dusty streets, old cowboy kind of thing. And it's a father son story. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. It's really, it, it's pretty wild. Um, how do you feel about um, the way the saga ended? Um, did it did it end in a way that you were satisfied with, or do you think we need ten, eleven, twelve? Do you think you know how, there's because 
it's fair to say it's been a mixed bag. It's been polarizing. Kind of like, sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, 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 but, but how, how do you feel as you, you know, you've, you grew up with the prequels, you've you yeah. watched the original trilogy. The story has quote unquote ended. How do you feel about that? Yeah. I think with rise of Skywalker, it's really interesting to me because if you laid it all out and you said, here was what happened in rise of Skywalker, I'd like, sure. That's fine. That's great. Sounds good. I think my problems with Rise of Skywalker more come with pacing and with some of the small decisions that were made that make me feel a little bit like we were saying, I think with Star Wars, it's important for me to feel like all the trilogies and all the different aspects are kind of together and feel cohesive. And I think this felt a lot, a lot of original trilogy and not so much prequel trilogy, which kind of, I think in the end didn't make it feel like a full conclusion to a Skywalker saga for me. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I'm really in a, place where this podcast has been so helpful for me and i've told this story where if i have a problem with star wars whether it is a thing in rise of skywalker or in a book or whatever it is and then i get to talk to the person that made that decision it it helps me contextualize because it's easy for someone to look at rise of skywalker and be like oh they just ignored this or they just don't even care or they're doing whatever and you really get to a point where you're talking to these creatives you talk to these people that it's their job and they care about star wars and they love star wars and they grew up with star wars like we did but then they're making actual decisions based on their love of star wars right and i think that goes a long way for me to talk to those people um a great example is we're talking about how much i love the documentaries and how much i love behind the scenes when they i don't know if you remember they surprise dropped rise of skywalker on itunes though like, hey fyi if you pre-ordered it already um it's just for it you can just get it right now at like three weeks early or whatever yep. uh, and for me i was like that's great like i have it pre-ordered from target or whatever for the but I need to be able to watch the documentary right now. <laughs> That's, this is a problem. Yep. And, uh, and so then I ordered it on Amazon again, literally just to watch the documentary. And the documentary was great and really helped me with a few things. But then there was a part of the documentary, and I've been very public about this, where there was all about the sand snake. And it was like, here's what we did. And we made this incredible puppet. And we had 12 people working it. And it was a great way for everyone to like work on it um, by feeling like it was all connected and all in the same room. And then there's a throwaway line and they say, and then of course we just kind of computer generated and CG'd over it. And, um, and that's what you see in the final shot. You don't see the puppet, you see the, the CG. And I was just like, ah, uh, <laughs> ooh, ooh, what did we, why, why did we do this? Like, what's yeah. the point? Um, and so I was like kind of salty about it. And then, but then I interviewed the guy that like was in charge of visual effects for Rise of Skywalker, who like made the decision to like CG over it. Um, and by him walking me through his thought process and like what the team decided and like why they did it a certain way, I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> like it wasn't just to like mess with me and my love of like Job of the Hut, right? <laughs> it was like a real decision that they had to make. And so things like that, I'm in a very obviously blessed position to be able to like talk to those kind of people and. And now when I watch something Star Wars, I think the first time I watch it is as a fan. And then the repeat viewings are more like, oh, like I know the three people that designed this, or I've talked to this guy who like did this part of it, you know? And so I think with the show, it's been really interesting. Like, like being an A&M athletics marketer, like separating yourself as a fan and, and being more, uh, on the professional side of things, I think is, is such an interesting way to view things. Um, that makes it a little, almost more enjoyable for me. But I think that that is, um, some people might not agree with that. <laughs> well, I think you bring up a good point. And I think maybe that's that's why, you know, I, I admit I get a little bit salty as 
well and sometimes a little too much in the social media range and and the uh, realm and i think it's it's because people don't understand those steps in the process right and, mm-hmm. and not that not because they can't it's just because they don't have exposure to it and to your point nobody's deliberately making a bad decision on a film Right. right. No, but nobody is nobody's doing something to say, how many fans can we piss off with this? What they're trying to do right. is they're they're making the best possible decision. And it is it's also very eye opening once you once you understand what, what went into into those processes or even just you know, just certain decisions uh um of a writer or something like that to to go that one way or another. It's always it's always very interesting. And and to your point, there are issues with Rise of Skywalker but they they came from a place I we all assume of this is what we really firmly believe is what's best for right. the story. Yeah, yeah. And plus, I mean, Rise of Skywalker is probably my least favorite Star Wars movie, but I still watch it like once every two or three weeks. So it's like, yep. what does that really mean? I, I I like to think that like every piece of Star Wars media, all Star Wars is good Star Wars, right? No matter what right. it is, whether it's a holiday special, that's how you get a Boba Fett cartoon, you know, whether it's Rise of Skywalker, you can get some incredible set pieces and incredible acting and you get Palpatine back. I think every single thing that, that Star Wars has put out, you can find something that's good. And I think yeah. that that's what Star Wars ends up being, right? It's finding the good in things. And so if you can't do that with the actual, you know, things, I think it's important to be able to balance like obvious important constructive criticism about how something is being handled, but then being able to find some joy in the thing that you said that you like. So, yeah. Um, yeah. That that's 100% it. And I think, do you, do you get frustrated in social media or do you ignore it? Do you engage? Oh, I just, I just try to ignore it. I, I try not to, to let it bog me down. Cause again, like what we're saying, I think my relationship with star Wars is my relationship with star Wars. And so I can't define that for anyone else. Um, and you know, obviously like when people have very serious complaints, especially about storytelling, it's tough for me to be like, well, like that's wrong. You know? So like, I think everyone's able to come to star Wars from where they are. And I think that's, what's important to realize, uh, both the positive and the negative. Someone can love rise of Skywalker and be posting every day about their favorite scene, rise of Skywalker, but someone also can be like, Hey, I hated this part of last Jedi, whatever it is. Um, and I think all of that together is, what makes Star Wars fandom good and bad, but I think you can't, that's, it's never been, it's never been the case where everyone's been like, this is great. Everything about this is great. So. Right. Well, and I, I love the conversations that are going on now about when people look back at the prequels, right? Cause I'm the first to admit the prequels. I, I, I was at the New York city premiere of, of Phantom Menace and walked out of the theater near you know with Liam Neeson and Natalie Port not with them I wasn't with right. them but you know I was <laughs> and yeah. I still didn't love the movie now 20 plus years later I I really like it and I like what yeah. it's done for the story without Phantom Menace without Attack of the Clones without Revenge of the Sith you don't get Clone Wars you don't get great characters right. and and it was such a it was doing something and the way people will look at movies that are as divisive as the last Jedi and rise of Skywalker um, in 10 years in five years in 20 years is going to be very, very interesting. <laughs> yes. It's going to be very, it's going to be very different too. I think anyone that's 10 years old right now and not on Twitter will have no idea. They'll be right. like, I liked that movie when I was 10 and it's like, cool. <laughs> so 100%. I like it now. So yeah. yeah. And, and what stories are going to come after it that are going to make those stories more whole, right? I mean, right. you, that's I mean, a great point. Yeah. Qui-Gon Jinn had, 
what 60 minutes of screen time or whatever it is, but he's, right. he's an important part of the lore. So to get right. him for any time is great. So yeah, I think it's, um, I, I, I'm excited to see where, what future, what the, what the future holds for these stories, which is, yeah. is, is interesting. Do you think, yeah. um, do you think they'll, they'll, do you think we're, we're done with Skywalkers or do you think we'll see them again? I think we're definitely going to get Ray and Poe and Finn stories, whether it's through a movie or through a TV show or through animated or through whatever it is, I think is up to be seen. I think they wait a few years. Um, I do think now though, like the Skywalker saga is technically over, right? There are right. no more Skywalkers, <laughs> but I think there's so much that hasn't been mined yet from especially the prequel trilogy. And you're seeing that more and more. Yeah. Um, I think that's where they're going to really find a lot of, of like, fertile ground to kind of reap some great stories from. And I, that's some of the things I've been really enjoying were like Master and Apprentice and Queen's Peril and Queen's Shadow, things that like flesh out the prequels very directly. Yeah. Um, there's still huge opportunities there. Um, I mean, one of the things that I like, we don't know anything about Shmi Skywalker. Like the Skywalker saga right. is over, but we don't know how the Skywalker saga began. Right. So yeah. it's like, there's opportunities to like really still with still within the boundaries that we've set for what a Skywalker saga is like, be able to flesh out a story. So uh, I, I'm fine with whatever they do. <laughs> I, I, that's the right approach. I love that. That's um, I'm, I'm not way to get, give me anything. You're going to give me something. I'll take it. I'm not going to complain. Um, so, so that that's, that's great. So I'm at this point in the show where we do the 10 question. Okay. Thing. I don't know if you, uh, if you're familiar with them, but it's, it's 10 questions. There's no wrong answers. That, you know, I'll judge you permanently. Sure. Sure. Always, sure. But, sure. But otherwise, <laughs> right. <laughs> But um, short answers, long answers, however you want to go with it. But um, okay. let's let's jump right in. So, what what is your favorite Star Wars movie, TV show, or book? That's tough. I mean, <laughs> I I always say, I mean, my favorite Star Wars movie is the original Star Wars, right. and I think that without it, you wouldn't have everything else. So, like, I always I always have to say, like, my favorite Star Wars movie is Star Wars: A New Hope. Um, and then when you go to TV shows, I think. Clone Wars sticks out to me of just being this full arc, and I love that it was finished, and I love that you you see not only the the graphics improve, but you see the storytelling like really get its footing and really like yeah. Filoni coming into his own, especially like leaving kind of the the nest of George Lucas right and having to do this on his own. So I think Clone Wars in terms of TV show, uh, and then book like we we're talking the Thrawn trilogy was always so important to me, and I think yeah. Zahn's you know, importance within Star Wars expanding universe, but now within the canon, I think cannot go unsaid. So I don't know if I was supposed to say one of each, but that is my answer and I am I'm am sticking to it. That is fine. Yeah. It's, it's, some people give all three, some people do. That's great. I I think you should you, you you brought up a good point. And this is I feel like I say this every time I do the ten questions. There's always at least one answer that makes me think about things differently. The thing that's interesting about Filoni finishing the Clone Wars in the Disney era is pretty wild. I, mm -hmm. I never thought of it before. I always thought of it, well, it's a story you always had in mind. Well, that's true. Right. But when he was doing the first, what was it, five seasons or six? Mm -hmm. It was under under the, the watchful eye of George Lucas, whether it was directly or indirectly. And now, when he finally got to close out the story, whether it was what he had in mind years ago or not, he did it on his own. And that says, that says a lot. And it was exciting yeah. too, to see uh Mandalorian uh, episode one, win an Emmy. That was his episode. Oh yeah. So, yeah. Um, 
Very exciting stuff. All right, so I have to ask the the follow up question, which is, what is your <laughs> least favorite Star Wars cool. movie, TV show or book? Cool, cool, cool. Um, okay, cool. Uh, we talked about Rise of Skywalker, and I think that I've established that it might be my least favorite, but I still enjoy it as a thing. But I understand where everything is coming from, so I'll say Rise of Skywalker. Just to say Rise of Skywalker is my least favorite movie. In terms of TV show, something that still has not hit for me as as hard as the other shows and there's only what four or five shows to choose from but resistance really um never really hit as hard as the other ones did for me and i think that is more of where my expectations were for the show and not necessarily the quality of it and i think my revisiting of it especially now that's on i was watching it when it was coming out on my youtube tv as dvr things i'd have like forward through all the kids commercials and all that stuff and i think that affected like how i was watching and like my mindset i think if i did a rewatch which probably we'll be doing because we're finishing rebels right now Mm. um if i did a rewatch of resistance it would (laughs) escalate itself um for me and then with books there's a again growing up when the expanded universe was like in its full like force i think it's pretty easy to be like oh those were the weakest star wars books right um and like things like i think new rebellion sticks out to me or like courtship of princess leia stick out to me of just like i was like ah we didn't need that like why did you do that like (laughs) i I don't care um and so yeah i think but again all star wars is good star wars and those things stick out to me whether it's courtship of princess leia having a drew struzan cover like that's incredible like cool like he's only done 15 star wars things like let's you know think about that so um so things like that stick out to me in terms of least favorite, but hopefully that is not as controversial as it could be. So. <laughs> well, it's always hard. And I find too, even like for me, it's hard to say, although it's true that resistance is my least favorite TV show because Christopher Sean was such a wonderful <laughs> guest, but listening to his story of that, and this kind of goes to what you were saying before and understanding how he approached it. Uh, again, I don't love the style of the show and I don't feel like it was as deep a star wars story as the others but i understand it now a lot more and and so again it's it's my least favorite but simply because if i grab the remote and there's four choices that's least likely to be selected so yeah um but yeah, it, it, it is. It is funny when you do, uh, you do get to know some of the people behind the scenes. It, it definitely impacts questions like that one. It's hard to and see. It's really funny when I ask that question of like of Star Wars authors, and I feel like, all right, go ahead, ruin your career right here on my show. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, <laughs> no, we can't say that. <laughs> so, would you consider yourself an imperial or a rebel? See, that's tough. I think. And, and again, that's where the Rose story in Last Jedi really worked for me. And I know it didn't work for some people, but Rose and Last Jedi, in my opinion, and I think that was Ryan Johnson's intention, was what I would be in Star Wars, right? Like, I wouldn't be the fighter pilot or the Jedi or whatever. I would be in the Rebellion, messing around, like scrubbing yeah. floors, just hanging out, like excited to see a dude, <laughs> running, a star- running a Rebellion podcast, being like, today I'm with Poe Dameron. Like, this is great. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? So I think I'd be Rebellion. I would not be like the top brass or whatever. I would just be like 
either running their propaganda, right? right. Or like <laughs> scrubbing floors. So right. yeah, I'd have to go rebellion. You'd be running the rebellion Twitter handle and just right. Exactly. It's like Princess Leia said this. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that's great. That's funny. Yeah. You know, it's funny. Uh, James Bainey from the resistance broadcast was on. Mm-hmm. And when I asked him that question, he said, anybody who picks one side completely is not telling the truth unless they're already, <laughs> you know, doing something. It's, it's, it's kind of true. I mean, and that's why we love the movies. Cause you can identify with the rebels and, and 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 hate the empire, but know that if it was a real world situation, it'd be a very different thing. So yeah. So what is your favorite Star Wars sound effect? That's tough too. I, that's tough if only because like I love like Ben Burt. Like I have a list of people that I want to come on the show. And like Ben Burt is like has been the top of the list forever. Um, and what Ben Burt did with Star Wars, not only that, but like how he collected like this library of sound that we still like associate with an entire universe is incredible to me. So anything Ben Burt did sticks out. And I think I can, you know, with the original trilogy, it's R2D2 with what he did Mm. because that's all him doing baby talk in a microphone, you know, that's incredible. And then with uh, the prequel trilogy, it's been said a lot, but I love the seismic charge in attack Mm -hmm. of the clones. I think it's so cool. Uh, But again, both of those Ben Burt, like (laughs) just freaking out. And there's a great, There's a, an incredible book, The Sounds of Star Wars, that he wrote, and you can plug in your headphones and listen to like like the highest quality, isolated sound effects you can possibly you know hear, and it is just it just elevates Star Wars to a whole new level. So it's mm. amazing. I I hate to tell you this, my very first interview was Ben Burt. Oh my god! <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I was. Um, it's a, it's a very long story, but the short version of the story is uh, he directed uh, a film called Special Effects, which was yeah. um, you know an IMAX film, and right. it, it, it premiered in New Jersey, and uh-huh. and it was actually the first story I ever wrote for Star Wars Galaxy magazine. It sort of mm-hmm. got me in, um, but meeting him was wild because and uh, you know uh, similar to what you were saying. I was nervous as hell, of course. First of all, it was my first thing to do. Yeah. Second of all, it's, it's Ben Burt. Um, right. But he was just one of these guys that I almost felt like he was almost as amazed as I was to be talking about the stuff he did. Like, he was just, <laughs> right. happy, oh, you care about this? Let's talk about it. So he was just right. a great guy. So, um, yeah, uh, he was, he's great. And No, I'm he's sure. great. I used, to, uh, I used to crank call him because you could find the Skywalker Sound phone number read relatively <laughs> easily as a 10-year-old. Uh, and so I would be like, they're like, Skywalker Sound. I'd be like, uh, can I talk to Ben Burt? <laughs> He'd be like, hello? He'd be like, hello? And I'd be like, okay, goodbye. <laughs> uh, and I, like, you know, sent him a couple of fan. I have a couple of things that he, like, wrote back and signed and stuff. Uh, and like, I was able to meet him well, two years ago last year. I flew to L.A. and he was there. But yes, one day I will do a one-on-one interview with Ben Burt and it will be, that'll be the time that I fanboy a little bit, not too much, but but just a little bit. It'll just be a little bit. I can't wait to hear it. That'll be great. (laughs) Uh, Who's your favorite droid? R2, 3PO or BB-8? I mean, like, like with my favorite sound, I think R2-D2 is just like, he's the connective tissue to, to the entire Star Wars, right? If you see R2-D2, you know, it's Star Wars. And not only is it the sounds and how it's built and it's Kenny Baker inside, but it's also remote control. And it's like all these different aspects of what makes it behind the scenes of a Star Wars movie or TV show. Great. Um, but then it's also like, it's George Lucas's favorite character, right? It's the person that is the viewpoint of every single thing that's happening in a, in a Star Wars movie. So I think, whenever he is on screen and is able to like be there, I always think of him as the George Lucas substitute, you know, Mm kind of like filming everything or, or, uh, so I I will say RTD2, long story, long RTD2. That's that's fine. I think that that's probably my biggest disappointment with the sequels in general with the lack of R2, but I get it. 
And uh, yeah, I understand. Um, and I think he's used he's used in very specific ways. I think yeah. Last Jedi is fine. Like that in uh, itself makes up for everything, right? With him, how he's used in that. Um, but yeah, I would love to have seen like R two like fly in and like save the day somewhere, you know. So, <laughs> but yeah. All right. So, what spaceship or vehicle from the Star Wars universe would you most like to own? That uh, is a good question. <laughs> I think it's easy to say. It's very easy to say Millennium Falcon, right? So right. That's the best Millennium Falcon. Like I, I was able to um, go to Galaxy's Edge and like you know you go into Millennium yeah. Falcon like you like this is <laughs> this is crazy, right? You, yep. um, I think if it was Millennium Falcon, I would say Lando's Millennium Falcon, right? I think <laughs> I love Lando. We haven't talked about that as much, but I love Lando. Um, and I think Lando's Millennium Falcon, I have a Lego of it in my other room. <laughs> uh, but then to, to vary it up though, if I said, if there was one that I'd most like to own, I would say the Outrider from Shadows of the Empire. Uh-huh. I would say that, I'd say like, why not? Like, why not be a little different? Why not be a little, little Dash Rendar? So <laughs> that's, that's what I would go with. You and Steel Saunders have now said out. Oh, there we go. I'll tell Steel that we are we are Outrider brothers. That's great. <laughs> yeah, I, I, you know, I've I've become a big fan of the Ghost as well. Oh, that's it, great too. It, it's, a, it's just yeah, but Outrider's that's a great the, call. No, Ghost is great, and I've been looking because we we've been me and my fiance have been watching Rebels, which has been really nice because she was she's not she's a Star Wars fan, but she's not like as obviously into the minutia as I am. <laughs> and so when I was watching Clone Wars and season, the, the new season, she really gravitated towards Ahsoka. And I was like, that's great. And I was like, okay, like now let's watch Rebels and like see how her story continues. So we've been watching Rebels together and she's been really enjoying it. And so I was like, okay, like, can I find the ghost Lego that they made, you know, like five years ago? <laughs> and you cannot, <laughs> like that is a very expensive Lego. Yeah. So, uh, it will see, but um, <laughs> but I have I have I, I bought the the Razor Crest Lego, so I'll be building that this weekend. Yeah, so I'm excited. That's, that's literally sitting right behind me. Just waiting I'm excited. I'm pumped. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna rewatch the the show mm-hmm. and try to like you know enjoy the build. But I'm excited to, to put that together. <laughs> that's uh, yeah, that's gonna that's gonna be a big one. I just I just finished the Poe Dameron X Wing and uh, oh nice. But so my my tip for as a Ghost fan, I ended up. Um, uh, a friend of mine on Twitter had found that the X-Wing miniatures were all like 50% off at Barnes and Noble and nice. I came across a ghost. And I, I was like, let me pay value or let me Venmo yeah. you pick that up. Cause those, that, that it's sitting up there. It's, it's, it's so detailed and I love, I just love the colors and yeah. you know, it's got that sort of ugly seventies, eighties well, coloring. It's weird, it's weird, right? It's like a weird shape too. Like yeah. it's, it's like, it's so star Wars, right? Where like that yeah. could have been designed in the seventies. Yeah. Um, speaking of X-Wing though, like to change that I did, cause I love the, those are incredible models. Like those are so nice. Yeah. And when they were announced, I was like, this is great. Like I can get into this from the ground up. Like that's great. And then like, I bought the starter pack. I bought a few of the expansions. I was like, I'll teach myself. And I was like, teaching my family how to play with me so I could practice. <laughs> and then a local comic book shop was like, we're doing an X-Wing tournament. It's like, you can come. And I was like, okay, I'm ready. Like I'm, and I did, I played three games before I got kicked out and I was just at the worst. I was so bad. <laughs> and my dad came, he's like, Oh, my son is like playing. Like, I was like, probably like what? 25. And he's like, my son is playing. Like, I'm going to come support him. And I was just like getting like my, my, my butt kicked by like a 12 year old. <laughs> 
<laughs> it's funny. I've never, I've never played the game, but I love the miniatures. They're great. They're, no, they're incredible. They so great. Yeah, I like you, I, and that's my biggest fear about uh, uh, Star Wars Squadrons coming out in a, in a couple of weeks. Oh my God. I'm going to be awful at it because yeah. I, I uh, the online version, anyway. At least I'll, I'm sure I'll make it through the campaign. But I just, uh, yeah, yeah. The, I, I tend to want to be great at the games. So I'm just, I never am. My son, I know who's yeah. eight kills me in battlefront two. We played the other day and we did the split screen and he was like, he's, I think at one point he said to me, dad, are you even trying? <laughs> <laughs> I think I got halfway through the battlefront two campaign and I was like, I'll just watch this. Um, I think it was star Wars explained. I was like, I'll just watch him play it. Like, it's fine. Like it'll be whatever. And that's what I'll probably do with squadrons. Cause there's no way that I'll be good at that. <laughs> it's a, uh, yeah, I love it though. It's all great stuff. Um, what's your favorite pouring Ewok or, Jar Jar Binks. Uh, I think between Ewok and Jar Jar is like trying to be like, who is your favorite? Like, I, both of those stick out to me as just like the two things that not only have been weirdly not politicized the wrong word, but like antagonized throughout the yeah. Star Wars thing. But both of them are just like <laughs> that's Star Wars. Like, if you don't like them, like, oh, that's that's Star Wars. So yeah. Jar Jar to me, I think as a child of the prequels, like we've been talking about, is is the person I would pick not only because of Ahmed best and because of the character and because of the love that I had for him as a seven year old, but also because mm -hmm. of what it did for special effects. And like, that is the first yeah. CG only main character besides yeah. like Casper and Dobby, right. That like <laughs> was, was, it was a real thing right there. And so I think what Ahmed best did, but not only that, but what Rob Coleman did and Joel, John Noel and all those guys, it's hard to like be like, oh, like, but I didn't like his accent. I didn't like how he talked. Like, I think, I think being able to like separate all of that and just contextualize it within a special effects environment, you would have to say Jar Jar. But then I love not only on my best performance, but like that's a very Star Wars thing. It was like, let yeah. me take C three PO and make him even more bumbling. And yeah. here, here's Jar Jar. So enjoy. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. Yeah, no, and and you made a great point, and and I try to make it when I can. It is without Jar Jar, you don't get half the the, the you don't you don't get Avengers, you don't get you know you don't get any of those things because he was the first right. full time character on screen that that was that, and and you know I'm at best without his characterization, you don't get him. So right, yeah. incredible. All right, so if you could be any character in Star Wars, who would you be and why? Man, that's tough. Uh, only because all Star Wars characters end up kind of sad. So I'm trying to think yeah. who does not end up the most sad. I think, I think, Lan I, always, I mean, again, with, and I think growing up, I never really contextualized because I was like, oh, I love Han Solo. But I think underlying that was like, I loved Lando. And I think it was yeah. not only seeing someone that like, kind of looked like me and like was different and was kind of removed from everything uh, and Billy D. Williams performance. But like, I would have to say Lando, even like when you see him not only in solo with Donald Glover, but then how his arc restarts in rise of Skywalker, I think his story and what he he's done and like what we don't know, I think is the most exciting. So I'll, I'll have to say Lando. And, and you are right. He's the only one of the, him and wedge are the only ones that made it out alive. <laughs> right. right. So it's either that or wedge. Yeah. Dennis Lawson shaking someone's hand at the end. Is, right. Is great. So, yeah. 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 Oh, that's a great, that's a great pick. Um, all right. Who's your favorite trilogy? The originals, the prequels or the sequels? Uh, that's tough. Uh, 
I, I will I will always say original trilogy if only because like that's the ones that I've actually not the ones I watch the most even mm-hmm. um, but the ones that the ones that mean the most to me and the ones that I've like revisited in terms of not only like behind the scenes content but also just like how they've impacted how movies have gone mm-hmm. um, but really right right up behind that is is the prequel trilogy because again like we're talking about prequel trilogy and how they were received. But again, like you're saying, we don't have any of the MCU without the prequel trilogy. We don't have any right. movies right now without the prequel trilogy and what they did for computer generated effects with, with how they were shot, with how they were shown in movie theaters. Um, all those things kind of combined into like George Lucas being 10 years ahead and people yep. just like not up um but then when you're seven years old and you're watching them and then you're watching them as a 17 year old and as a 27 year old you're like okay like i understand where this is all going so um original trilogy but then right behind prequel trilogy yeah that's a that's a safe it's a, a fair yeah, it's, my best. Yeah. there you go that's that's fine <laughs> so the last question is what is your favorite star wars quote that's good uh, that's fine. I can figure that out. Um, <laughs> yeah, because I don't have any tattoos right now. Okay, I shouldn't. I shouldn't say this because then people are going to take my tattoos ideas. <laughs> but I'm going to say them. I'm going to say them. Well, in case you never get it, you know, like if, well. You know. So here's the thing, which is I, I've I've told people I was like, okay, I, I only have a few tattoos in mind, mm-hmm. but they have to be because I've done something right. So I want a Lord of the Rings tattoo. But I have to have gone to New Zealand, or I have to have gone to all the places. Like, if I do that, then I can do that. <laughs> and like with Star Wars tattoos, it's like, okay, if I go to Lucasfilm or Skywalker Ranch, I can get a Star Wars tattoo. Like that will be like I've been invited, and that will be my like commemoration of it. So I really want um, um, the targeting computer yeah. um, from A New Hope because I think that's very nice and stylized and simple. Um, but then I really like uh, stay on target. I think as like a, and if you design Arabesh and kind of combine that, I think as a whole would be like kind of how I've used Star Wars, not only in my professional career, but like my personal, mm-hmm. but just like keeping myself focused and like keeping myself kind of on track and using people that I've either talked to or just kind of read about as inspiration for like how to be creative while still being professional. Mm-hmm. So stay on target, I think is my, um, my quote of choice that is a great quote i love that that's uh and, and the reason for it is is great as well so well Brandon, thank you so much this has been so much fun i really appreciate you you spending some time with me and and telling me some of your stories and i i hope to have you again on the show tell people where they can find you and where they can find uh, talking bay 94 and anything else that you're involved in <laughs> yeah no uh talking bay 94 uh every wednesday is a new episode with someone that was in star wars or worked on star wars um you can find me on twitter at talking bay 94 on itunes talking bay 94 I'm, i've made it pretty easy for people <laughs> to find the show uh but yeah we have some great episodes coming up and i'm really excited for people to to, to dive in so Excellent. Well, if you're not listening to Talking Bay 94, you should be. It's perfect. It comes out on Wednesdays. You can listen to Run the Galaxy on Tuesdays. Then on Wednesdays, that. you get your 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 Talking Bay and one two punch. Yeah. There it is. Yeah. So, but Brandon, thank you so much. This was a, a real blast, and I hope to talk to you again. All right. Thanks, man. Well, that wraps it up for this episode of Around the Galaxy. Thanks to Brandon, and thank you for listening. If you liked the show, please subscribe, like, share, rate, and review it. If you really liked it, please feel free to subscribe to our Patreon page at patreon.com slash beyondtheblastdoors. Make sure to follow us on Twitter at ATGCast. And if you or someone you know would make a great guest, 
please drop us a line. Head on over to beyondtheblastdoors.com for all the latest news, Star Wars happenings, and all the information about this show and others at beyondtheblastdoors.com. Around the Galaxy is copyright 2020, Pete in the Seat Studios. Our music is by the band Silver Colored Knob, whose music can be found on Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you find music. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, achy joints, weight gain. Maybe you're thinking they're all just part of getting older. Or that's what your doctor tells you. But Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all be connected. Hormonal changes that happen during perimenopause and menopause are at the root of dozens of symptoms women experience, not just hot flashes. Midi specializes in compassionate care for women in menopause. Their solutions are safe, effective, and FDA-approved. Plus, they're covered by insurance. A convenient telehealth visit with a MIDI clinician can be your first step to getting personalized care. They'll tailor a treatment plan for your symptoms and health history, so you can get back to feeling great. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. When your body changes, your care should too. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com.